But if you don't have your budget and you lose 20 grand. Oh my goodness. I'm you're flipping dunce. out. Sure. Every month you're flipping out. You don't. And even when you make money, you think you should have made more money. Yep. You're just going around. You're sweating. You're freaking out all the time. So you can't make to grow. You have to take a little risk. You have to buy certain things. If you don't have a budget, you can't quantify the risk. You're listening to Toolbox for the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders, their best tips and tricks of the trades, learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition, and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to Toolbox for the Trades. I have something very special for you today, this Tuesday, that I hope you're going to enjoy. It is an idea that was pitched to me by former Toolbox guest Tom Howard, who is the VP of Customer Service at Service Titan. He listened to a radio show, I'm going to go ahead and say 100 years ago. That was all he sees. He's here. He's on mic. He is smiling and shaking his head. But he listened to this advice show called Click and Clack back in the 1800s, and he wanted to replicate that for our incredible Toolbox audience. With him is Eddie McFarland who is the CEO of Haller. President. President of Haller. And what we're doing for today's episode is we got a bunch of questions that folks uh, called in and asked. And Tom and Eddie are using their industry expertise, their collective industry expertise, to answer some of these questions. We talked a bit about inventory. We talked a bit about starting your own school. We also talked about, you know, just finding the confidence to grow and to not kill yourself emotionally while you do it. Mm -hmm. You guys are going to hear the answers to those questions in just a bit. But I want to let you know that this is a total experimental format that we are playing with, but we had a great time recording it, and I hope you guys will like it. This is a totally new format. It's a total experiment, and I want to hear what you think about it. That's right. I want to know if you like this format and whether we should keep doing it. So please listen to the show and give me your honest feedback in the survey linked in the show notes of today's episode. If you like it, we'll keep doing it. But if you don't, we'll just go back to our normally scheduled programming. No big deal. Regardless, I would love, love, love to hear from you. So, Tom, say hi. Say what you're doing. Give me all your titles, please. Because... Yeah. So, hi. I do work at VP of Customer Experience at Service. I not service. I'm so sorry. Uh, but uh, more importantly, so I think is that I've been in the trades for years, and I still own. I have uh, several companies that are H, air conditioning, plumbing, and actually one pest control company. Still have them. Still work in the trades, and still. Uh, yeah, grind it out like everyone else is doing. Fantastic. And Eddie, tell us about you. Yeah. Uh, so as we mentioned, uh, I currently have the, the privilege of uh, working with the team at Haller Enterprises in Pennsylvania. We do uh, plumbing, heating, uh, electrical, and... You didn't mention the privilege of working with Tom Howard. <laughs> I was but, getting to that. I was yeah. something about saving the best for uh, last. Okay. I was just making sure. And uh, <laughs> I figured you'd bring it up. So the, uh, I'm always there for you. That's good. And, and so like I get to, I get to do that. I, I, I also have the, the pleasure of uh, serving on the board of directors for the Nate organization. And of course, uh, I have, I'm on the executive board of the air conditioning contractors of uh, America. I get to work and represent and talk to hundreds probably probably like tom i think a lot of what we share is really the 
we we get to reap the benefit of the hundreds of contractors that we've that we've spoken to over the last couple of years. Yeah. You, you know, you've you've traveled a lot. I've talked to a lot over the last four or five years, and and uh, a lot of what we share is is really the the benefit of of uh, all those that have been kind enough to share with us, and a few hard lessons I learned on the way. <laughs> so what we're gonna do for today's show, which still haven't figured figured out a name. I'm liking Toolbox After Hours now. It was originally Toolbox at Night or at Toolbox, toolbox at After night. Dark. Toolbox After Dark. I think it it's going to be After Hours. After Hours. So we're going to Toolbox on Call. Toolbox on Call. Toolbox After Dark sounds like some kind of weird. Tom <laughs> Howard's going to start taking his shirt off. As long as they're grapes, I'm in. <laughs> no, but Toolbox on Call because it's toolbox typically After call, Hours and people are calling people in. Are yeah, listen. I like that. I like that. Okay, it might be Toolbox on Call. So this is an experimental format. I hope you guys like it. There's a ton of information. I know because I just listened to Tom and Eddie give their expertise. I'm really excited for y'all to hear it. So I hope you enjoy this special version of Toolbox. And I will give you instructions how to call in with your own questions. And hopefully we'll have more episodes like this for you guys to enjoy. Eddie and Tom, let's get into our questions. Wow, we did it. After one year of Tom saying, hey, I really yeah. want to do this question and answer sure show. I actually succeed in this. You're going like, to do great. You're going to do great. I was told there was no right answers. Yeah. So <laughs> There are no right there's answers. There's two kinds of answers. There's right answers and then there's his answers. And those are the two options you have. You know, and they can decide who's this who's. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. We're going to do this. So here is and our scene. <laughs> and scene. So here is our first ever question on Toolbox After Dark. Hi, so my question is, how do you train young service technicians? The other question I have is, what does building a training school look like with those young technicians? So how do you train young service technicians, and what does <laughs> building a training school look like with these young techs? Which you guys want to take, which of you <laughs> wants to take it first? This very simple question. Well, I, I think Eddie can take it first, but I can tell you what it looks like. It looks like the reason I don't have hair is after getting through building a training school, yeah, in my first round of training, this is how it ended up. But Eddie, do you have any thought on there? I had a few punchlines, but I'll give them to myself. I, I mean, listen, I, <laughs> please. I, there, there's there's a lot of talk about uh, this generation, that generation, whatever. I, I you know I think the the answer to training young technicians is the same as training the other technicians. There should be uh, sort of a five dollar word alert there should be a i think it's pedagogy is in children adagogy is an adult they sorry what word. huh, huh, huh? adagogy <laughs> it's like the the i some someone can uh leave a, an angry note at the bottom of the the screen if i mispronounce i that. will thank okay. you you can do it right now if you want <laughs> uh no it's 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 there's a point and a, an arc to learning and, and you don't start in the middle you start in the basics and it's a cumulative you know we don't learn things in the abstract we we learn things relative to other things we learn so um there's an old saying that if the student hasn't learned, the teacher hasn't taught. And mm. there's a lot of finger pointing, like, oh, these people can't learn anything. Well, you know, you look in the mirror. Did you have a good structure? Was it clear? Did you have, like, learning milestones and objectives? And that, that's not really an age thing. Um, if anything, it should be, uh, you know, since I think that was Ross uh, Albert from Arctic Air, New, New Jersey. Hey, buddy. Uh, good question. I, I, I think uh, – if anything, that younger generation, they've just come out of school and they're, they have a learning mind. And, you know, a learning mind is different than, than a mind that, that hasn't been learning. Uh, the good news about the trade is you sort of learn something every day. But I would, I would say that the answer to the first half of the question is, is just be thoughtful, have a point, uh, recap, uh, 
everything. Make it interesting to them. Yeah. The, the, the mind can absorb what the buck can endure. So like you see these people that like pack 20 people in a room for eight hours and I wonder why they didn't learn anything. It's like, take a break and mix it up and do hands-on and figure out what's the best method. Is this, is this a PowerPoint lesson? Is this a hands-on lesson? Is this something in the field? Is this something to bring a vendor in? Well, I heard two points on what you were yeah. saying there. So one is I heard that basically what older ones and younger ones, you got to train them either way. And older ones that have been in the trades for a long time, you shouldn't stop training mm -hmm. them, right? So that, that's one point I'm getting out of there. Second point that I'm getting out of what you said is basically like make it not too boring for them. They're not, especially the younger generation doesn't want to sit in the mm -mm. room for mm -mm. eight hours. And quite frankly, if they did, they probably would have gone to a four-year university for yep. something else. Bingo. Like Ooh, that's point. not what they're into. Mm -hmm. No. And um, so hands-on stuff's always going to be better. Yep. I think the big thing that I get out of this is also is that a lot of people, you know, they're, they're in the industry and they don't have a ton of money. They just got in. They, mm -hmm. they got a couple of techs going. And they're like, gosh, I need to train some more people. Mm -hmm. And they see, oh, the big shops, they've got a giant school. I have a school now at my shop. Mm -hmm. But it took me a long time to get there to make it valuable. I think one of the big things we need to remember is, is don't get too excited on, oh, it has to look super cool like the big shops. I have to spend half a million dollars. But I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I saw it on Instagram. Look at look at their nice chairs. Like, and look at that lab they have. I mean, if you've got- If you don't have a neon sign, you do not have a training center. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Make sure, number one, you're charging your customers appropriately to be able to afford some training. The training mm -hmm. doesn't have to be super high end. You can have a ride along program with mm -hmm. a checklist. That's what we started with was a checklist of all the things that person had to cover. Don't just put them in a, in a truck with no outcome. Oh, or no learning idea. by osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. But if, if they're riding along, they've got a checklist. Here's the things I need them to cover it. I want that person to ride along with a sign off on those things one at a time. Maybe it'll take you a month. Maybe it'll take you three months to get there, but I want them, you to adequately show that you've covered all those things. That can be your base. Did you have something you were going to say? Well, I was just going to say, you reminded me of uh, the person that knows the most isn't necessarily the best teacher. Mm. You know, when you talk about people, there's people, that, and, and they may be the best technician, they may be your stopper, they may be your golden goose, but if you put a junior tech or someone that's new to the field, by day three, they're like, they're on Indeed and looking for a new job because this is killing them. Yeah. And, We've all had those. And and so maybe the best person to do the training is the person that you trained last, who's got a super great communication, who's excited about the job, who's excited to meet the customer, who follows processes. And, you know, that can get the foundation. And then, sure, for other technical things, you can, you can, you can do other things. So... I get them in those ride-alongs with someone that can train. And like mm -hmm. like Eddie said, it's not always your number one technician. In fact, most of the time it's not. It's not. That's yeah. actually something I've They're learned not. from Toolbox for the Trades is it's never your number one technician. No. He doesn't you know never... why they don't understand this already. He's explained <laughs> it once. <laughs> like, you should never go to your number one technician basically for anything other than to be your number one technician. Yeah, exactly. And then that one always wants to be pulled out of the field to be the manager, by the way. And yes. it's like, oh my gosh, worst guy in the world to be yes. the manager. yes. It's like, sorry, you know, compressors don't talk back to you. People do. You're going to have right. to learn how to take That's that. Right. That's I right. I mean, so smaller size, keep it cost effective. Mm -hmm. Now, there's other things you can do as far as sending them out to third-party trainers we and did that. things yep. like that. Yep. I mean, yeah, especially when we were, you know, a smaller company and we did that a lot. And they're really good. For, yeah. And that may be the perfect answer. If you're bringing on one tech a year, uh, you know, and that's doubling your business, that may be the perfect answer. I'd say on those to watch out for is don't send them once and then expect it to be good. Yep. Now, 
And people say, oh, should I send them twice? Maybe. Maybe the answer is, though, is that you go to the training yourself. You know what's in there. You supplement weekly and follow up and make sure that you're having those you know, weekly meetings reinforcing what they learned that yep. for that week at that one training they went to and whatever yep. XYZ well, state. It, and you, you just bring up a, an excellent point. I'm, I'm fortunate to have a, a lot of uh, friends that actually – uh, I tell people I'm, I'm not qualified. I'm just opinionated, but I do hang out with a lot of qualified people. Right. And what they talk You're about. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, uh, what, Best friends. Just all it took was a two hour drive uh, from Fresno to LA. Time now, flew by, <laughs> flew by. But um, what, what they tell me is repetition is the key because when we, um, when we learn things, it goes to, is to one part of our brain and that's where, um, recalling and then rebuilding on top of those lessons. So, so repetition and knowing what's being covered. Um, you've probably seen this. I'll bring in a trainer and the owner or the service manager, or whoever doesn't sit in with it. And, and the training sort of happens for a day or two or whatever. And they come out and there's no real reinforcement. They don't use the same vocabulary. They're not focused on the same thing. And then, then you're wondering why didn't that work? That was a crap trainer. And and the reality is reinforcement is key. How are you going to use it in, in your KPIs, your one-on-ones? Um, and, and I tell you, the last thing I would I would say is the training has to have a point. Mm. A lot of people say, well, I don't know. I feel like I do it, but I don't really know. If it, well, if you can't measure, it tells me that you you um, you haven't designed it with an outcome. We, we were talking about Stephen Covey uh, earlier and, you know, you start with the end of mind. Okay, so what? What are you really trying to impact? What is the point of training, right? Is this, yeah. because sometimes, you know, uh, I'm fortunate to, to work with people and they'll be like, hey, we need uh, sales training for our techs. And I'm like, uh, okay, why? And and when you ask, that's the symptom. Maybe it's a low average ticker or something. But really, if you do the sort of five whys, you know, you get to the root cause analysis and you, it's really like they need to know 110% about this product in case they get asked a question because their personal fear is that if, of being exposed of not knowing absolutely everything about it. So they just won't bring it up. It's not that they need sales training. It may be a technical training piece. So thank you all. Oh, look at that. That's a good co-host right yeah, there. There you go. Um, I want to actually ask something because you said there could be like a dis, like the language doesn't translate from your vendor to the way you talk about it. So do you recommend that managers kind of like oversee the training or like how do you prevent that from happening? Well, I'm curious on, on Tom's answer. For me, I, I we lead by example. Um, you know, um, you can't tell people to they, they need to be continuous learners, and you're not. And um, I sort of my my kids are a bit older, but the one thing I learned that I took with me in my career is, you know, your kids they don't really listen to what you say; they watch what you do. Mm. And our teams are exactly the same. It doesn't matter how how much you pontificate about it or how important you say it is uh, it's not important enough for you i mean yeah. some of these trainings are expensive not, not not just the the wages of the lost revenue if you're bringing in a trainer um yeah i'd, I'd be in the room going right yeah i 100 agree yeah just go out there go through the train yourself learn what they're doing so you can speak intelligently about it or else you're gonna lose all the respect to your people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now so as you get bigger though so we talk yes. about smaller companies yep. do it cost effectively if you get bigger and you want to build a training center I've seen people go too overboard on these training centers, mm-hmm. spend half a million, million bucks. Hey, I told you that in confidence. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> and quite frankly, I mean, I, the first time. That's I why Eddie's this doing this podcast. Center, He's in the red. <laughs> I'd say if you've got a spot to put it in, it could be in your existing office. Yep. You don't have to have a giant lab right away. You could use 
you know, old toilets, air conditioning mm-hmm. equipment. I, I've seen people do it with garage doors. Tommy Mello has an amazing uh, training center down in Phoenix that I've seen. Um, you've seen a lot of different uh, training facilities, but they're different. You can spend more money on training centers with the larger volume of people you're putting through. If you've got two people to put through a training center, please don't spend 400 please. grand. Just yeah. send the money to us, care of... Uh, <laughs> you know. Care of Jackie Abel. <laughs> Eddie could use it. <laughs> made out to cash. I have a training center to pay for. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but as, as you get into them, look at what you're going to put out and then, and then look at how much money you need to put into it. The other thing, I learned a big lesson here. Mm-hmm. Be careful on selecting the people you put through the training center because keep in mind, you're spending... In my case, I was paying for their wages plus their Same. training. Yep. I put 40 people through in about five months and um by the, we're an air conditioning company about half of those were plumbing plumbers and about half of those were air conditioning guys have the ac guys as soon as it had 110 degrees outside they were done it was like the first week of summer mm-hmm. gone i this is like the classroom <laughs> yeah i was like oh shoot i mean we literally had to go to our training center we installed a furnace we had to take out the high limit safety switches so that we could get the heat up hot, hot enough to really heat it up in there. To be a real simulation. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like if you can make it through training, you can make it in the field. We we had uh, something where we were really focused on the experience and what was happening. We were creating such a great experience in that five six week that uh, in our case we do construction as as well as commercial and residential and and uh, they got in the. You know, they had this complete sort of cultural disconnect. There was no one yelling at them in the classroom. Like, <laughs> yeah, to Google some of those words on the job site. It was uh, not okay. And uh, yeah, it was It was almost like it was too unrealistic. And so I, I, you make a great point about being selective. And, and I would say as, as counter to this as, as to many of our, our, our uh, characters where we, we really want to pay it for, we really want to advance the trades, you think you're doing that person a favor by keeping them in. Uh, I would look, if you're doing this over a multi-week curriculum or whatever, I would look very hard at your cut rate. It sort of should be like the Navy SEALs. There's no point delaying the inevitable. Um, set the bar, make it realistic. and um, Give them heat and, stroke and, and you know what? first Just, week. Be, yes. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's, it's the compassionate thing to do. You're going to waste, you're going to waste their time. I yeah, mean, yeah. you're going to five, money. six months, waste their time, waste your money. Yep. Both of you were frustrated in the end, the longer it goes. Mm-hmm. Might as well. Hey, if you know they're not going to work out, cut them, move on. And, and, and there's a, there's a tax that the people in your field, like, uh, have to pay because they're really the finishing school. Oh gosh. Yeah. And so they don't want to put up with that. Yeah. And it's like, then all of a sudden, you know, they're like, you guys don't have an eye for talent and it's like yeah we do we're just super super nice well stop it because it's not nice to me mm. and so uh as the people that that we're delivering quote quote a product to we need to make sure that we're comfortable putting our name on it they you know they they know our systems our, our service systems they know enough technically you know we're not making master techs in this time we're making we call it field ready but we really need to hold that bar and you're not doing anybody any favors by um being nice to anybody. You're not doing anyone any favors by being nice. Clarity by is kindness. Them yep. Clarity yeah. is kindness. Yes, yeah, fine. Um, anything After else? a three-hour drive with him, I can assure you he lives by that mantra. Noted. Um, noted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he made me sit in the back. Uh, he's like, hey, I just need to stop for a minute. Uh, next thing you know, I'm, and it's a 15 We're having a seat. We have a seat change. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this is a fun game. When do I get turned? He's like, 
quiet in the back. <laughs> like a limo. He just like has like the window that just shows up. Um, one thing I wanted to ask before we move on to the next question is I hear this a lot and I see it a lot in the Facebook groups, like how to keep young people interested. And the joke mm. is Minecraft, TikToks. But like seriously, like what are some legit, like legitimate ways that you get young guys right out of high school or girls right out of high school who uh, how do you keep their attention? I say this as someone that's, um, you know, uh, had to learn meditation and, and, uh, Adderall for my ADD. So like physician heal thyself. Right. I think there's, there's a legitimate thing and, and, um, we live in a different age now and I would encourage everybody go actually learn something new. If you're, if you're seriously considering this, I don't care, get involved and uh, enroll in something, take a class in something. And what you'll learn is that there are all kinds of tools for learning. There's whether it's uh, quiz tools that that make it fun, whether there's I mean, there's uh, uh, Chrome tab uh, extensions that, you know, record screens. There's all kinds of tools to make it interactive. There's uh, there's some great vendors that have there's VR training, there's online training, there's um, third party associations that have material to quantify the learning. Um, And so I would say go and do it and then make it, you know, chunked. And I typically recommend no longer than an hour and take breaks and then come back and do a different style of learning. It's been debunked that over the years, but, but a lot of people still put weight in the sort of three types of learning, you know, was it audio, uh, kinesthetic and visual, right? You learn by seeing, hearing and doing. And if you, if you talk to most of the people in the trades after a half hour of instruction, they're going to be like, yeah, just let me get my hands on it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Give them, to prove it, give them a stack of like instruction manuals and see how many of them will actually read them by the end of the day. It's like, no, that, that's someone else's opinion about how to do this. Just give me the stinking yeah, thing. That's right. And, and give me half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I'd add to it. I mean, competitions help. Yeah. I remember learning mm-hmm. in school when, I, you know, we're both from the East Coast. I started well, All boilers. three of us are from the East Coast. Hey, yo. So we have it boilers out there. Time. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we have boilers out there and we were, um, mm-hmm. we would, part of our schooling, you had to learn how to thread pipe. Well, you know, we had those large rigid pipe threaders and you could stick oh, it in boy. there and it, no big deal. But we also, in order to start, we had to learn to thread by hand. And so they made a competition who could thread pipe. Uh, did you, did you it was a two inch diameter pipe. You, you, I was a hundred and probably 35 pounds in high school. <laughs> I mean, I could like jump up and down on that lever and you know, it'd be slowly turning. Anyone who's thread two inch pipe can. knows. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh darn it. <laughs> but I mean, we would all get really into it. Even my 130 pound, you know, 29 inch waist out there jumping up and down <laughs> trying to win this thing. I was probably like number 29 out of 30. You were at my goal weight and, when you were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to have goals. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, almost everyone I know in the trades is yep. extremely competitive. Putting on that competition in there. Hold it's it. a ton of fun. We all learned how to thread pipe. I mean, every single one of us knew how to do that by the end of the time. Um, our teacher would do, he'd have competitions about, um, diagnosing things. We had mm-hmm. a, an oil burner and you know, you've got these electric eyes on it that verify that you've got flame. Yep. So it's a flame sensor and it's, it's basically sensing to see for those of you who are not in boilers, they want to make sure eyes. that the, yeah, the flame lights and it's an optical sensor. So it's going to close the switch once it, that light comes on. So <laughs> bottom line is, is. What my teacher did is he took, and this is brilliant of him. Well, he basically, he told us, hey, go ahead and diagnose this. And every day we'd come in, we have a new thing to diagnose. And we'd see a competition who could diagnose it. And um, bottom line was, is that we knew that it was 
that the optical sensor wasn't closing. And so it wasn't keeping the system running. And uh, so we went and got a new optical sensor and we put it in and, and still didn't run. And then we got another one and put it in and still didn't run. And we could not figure out why it wasn't working. Do you, you're smiling. Do you know what he, he had done? Do you have any guesses? Uh, no. So what he did was he took, we found out, he took clear nail polish and put it on the electrodes on the end of the sensor. And so it would stop the connection. He he, he coated yeah. them with nail polish. Oh my goodness! To clear off. Then he went into every single one of them in the warehouse, and s- slit open the baggie, coated each one with nail polish, and then closed it with glue, and left them up there. So even if we got a brand new one, it still wouldn't work. And what he did was he's trying to show that because this happens in a factory sometimes. Sometimes you get a bad batch. Oh. And you need to think through it. What? Why is it not doing? So why don't I just take my freaking meter and check to see if I've got continuity even when it's pointing at a light first before I stick it in there and just verify this thing works. Oh, I think and you just heard the origins. Uh, of the, Tom. The, vil- the villain, villain origin, origin story. <laughs> but the bottom line was we got really excited about trying to outsmart the teacher. And he would, you know, and, yeah. and all of a sudden now. And you're learning. We had, yeah, we're learning. That's we, I, I, to this day, mm-hmm. I don't trust a part coming out of the box that's nope. for sure good just because it came out of the box. You know, how, I'm not, how, how lucky are, are the, the trades? I, I think uh, every true craftsman that, that we all, we all, and everyone listening probably knows and hopefully has a few on their team, we all stand on the shoulders of, of, of those that went before us. And, and if you're really lucky, Scott Rule was, was my teacher. And Matt, there, there's, there's a special place for the, for those people that are just really dogmatic about order of operations and process and and doing things for a reason. And you you yeah. still remember this? This guy, his name is Joe Steinmetz yep. from yeah, Derry, New Hampshire. If he's out there, he was at Pinkerton Academy. Still remember this day? He actually teaches at a community college up there Yo, Joe. in New Hampshire to this day. I called him. Yeah, hope hope he's listening to this. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, and it's uh, I, I I I the last thing I would say is is uh, start he's that where, sob that. Put all the nail polish on <laughs> that. the SOB that Optical made you stuff, yeah. who you are today. I think um, start where you are. Don't, don't um, you know, think of it as a crawl, walk, run, fly. Like just, even if it's just uh, ripping out one of those technical challenge questions in one of the, like, Contractor Business Magazine or whatever, or, or the, I think the ACA Magazine has, and just pin it on a notice board in your, in your break room. Start there. Yeah. Start there. Make it fun and uh, have a point. And measure. Go for, r- r- rinse, lather, repeat. Love that. All right. Let's move on to our next question. Question is, with the increase in material cost, what is everybody doing to control inventory in and out of their warehouse? And what are the allowable variances based on trade? So plumbing, HVAC install, HVAC service. This is this is actually a super simple one. I'll just I'll just put this to bed. We had hired a guy called Jimmy No Fingers, and so <laughs> he stands in front of the uh, the warehouse door, and you just you know you really you have to explain it to him. And if he if he's not buying, you're not getting it. And we've had no no problem with controlling him. No, I'm just kidding. I, I got nothing. That's that's a really good question. How often do you get asked about inventory? Oh gosh. So I think here's the thing. <laughs> I get asked about inventory all the time. I think. Uh, uh, Eddie and I come from similar backgrounds of inventory is really a four-letter word. It's like Mm. a necessary evil. And quite frankly, I hope everyone hears this. I don't care how big you are. Mm -hmm. Inventory is something that you may have to carry depending on your circumstances, but it is not something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many contractors, look at all my inventory. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is is cash rotting on on a shelf. Mm -hmm. 
that Preach. should be in your bank account. Preach. That it can it can get stolen. It can get broken. It, it can get lost. It, mm, like, it can depreciate. It can depreciate. <laughs> it come obsolete. Yeah, I was talking to Eddie earlier. We did a what's called a lean management training. Where we brought in a consultant. And he was teaching us how to um, basically control our processes. And we realized we had all this inventory that we just re- need to get rid of. And we had a rule. Anything with an inch of dust on it or more just needs to go, right? Sure. I called up my uh, supplier and told him to send a flatbed. We sent 19 pallets of stuff wow. back to the shop. I started calling him and said, hey, can you just run this thing and see when the last time I bought this motor was? He's like, you bought that motor eight years ago. At least the last so, one you bought. I, I, I call these, uh, this is, you know, um, I'm going to date myself, but one time at band camp, right? <laughs> so what happens is somebody somewhere on call at two in the morning, and it's always a holiday, runs into a situation and and it's the way our brains are wired. We we, we sort of are uh, sort of anthropologically we're, we we just remember painful situations way more and way more often because that's what yep, helps negativity keep us alive, bias. Right? That so, helps us evolve. Right. And so so when technicians uh, and owners and all of us, we all have this this bias. After that, we swear we will never, you know what? And you know what? Why we're at, let's put two on our truck. Yeah, just in case. Because this one motor yep, I had at once. one time. Yeah, yeah, I needed it. And yep. a couple things happened there. So basically we get that motor. And, and it's always two. We take that one motor off that was the wrong motor that got delivered. We're like, oh, we're going to keep this well, you, you, because, because you we're going to need it someday. And and then we'll know it's here. And then you get this stack of motors with random, like, I got a, you know. Yeah. 843 horse uh, <laughs> RPMs. Yeah, yeah. 843 RPM, yeah. 1.278 horsepower. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah with an with a odd size shaft. I mean, it's just the weirdest <laughs> thing comes yes. up. And, but yes. you have one on the shelf. Just in case. Just so in what case. happens is, but I ask people like, okay, let's just say that you ran a call mm-hmm. right now. And you needed that exact motor, which, by the way, it's probably never going to happen. But let's mm. just say you did. Let's say you're a, a technician in the field. What's that technician going to do? Is uh, he going to go, oh, no. I happen to know we have this in stock. At the no, because it's hot dog day at, 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 the, at the supply it's, house. It's Weenie Wednesday. Yes, at the supply house. Yep, yep, yep. And so I'm going to go to the supply house. I'm going to pick one up. I'll stop at the gas station while I'm there. Because he probably correctly thinks no moron would carry this motor in stock for this long. <laughs> so then he's going to go buy another one. Guess what? That one's still going to sit on your shelf. It's, uh, yes. And, and even if you're out on a Saturday and exhausted and nothing's open or a Sunday night. And by the way, if you call the supply house and give them enough money, they will open on a Saturday. Uh, they will. Guarantee. They will. Sunday, it doesn't, I don't care if it's two in the morning. Anyway. You're probably still not going to think you have it. And you're going to say, sorry, Mrs. Jones, we're going to have to get this on Monday. So the reality is that stuff just sits on your shelf. It takes up space. Not only that, you have to get around it to find the things that you actually do need. Yep. Mm-hmm. So now you can't find it as easy. So we we sent 19 pallets back. I found two variable frequency drives. That's where in I the back. Of, they were. I bought them for, I looked them up, $5,000 each that we had bought. Uh-huh. And we should have returned them. We didn't. We thought, oh, we're definitely going to need these. You know, we're doing a lot of commercial at the time. And by now they're worth like 10 cents because all the new drivers come out. paperweights ever. I'm like, five grand. I'm like, what in the world? And by the way, we didn't even know they were there. We had to get all the other garbage off the top of it to find them. Right. And, and you it, didn't count it in inventory because it doesn't have a number. It doesn't have a parts way, number. And what, what, what message does this send to your yeah. technicians? It sends, it's okay to stack crap up. Then we get ticked at them when their trucks are filled with garbage yep. and junk. And they're like pulling up to the supply to the to the warehouse that you have. 
and they see the piles of junk in your warehouse that must you must be okay. And it must be okay. I mean, this stuff cause it is it is poison to a yep. business. I promise you. Yep. It depletes your resources of cash, space, mental reserves, and 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 contributes to hair loss. I'll, I'll add that one on that one there too. I, I think Tom's a little passionate oh about this. Oh my well, gosh. So here so here's the thing. I I, I had the pleasure of actually uh, visiting one of Tom's places this morning and uh Man has a tight inventory system. Great, great systems. Hopefully, we you know we we can maybe talk about that in a future podcast. Because uh, here's the thing: it, it, the the warehouse, the inventory you keep, the 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 part levels you have, they're all a second order consequence of how you do business. So you know, um, to the extent that you're good at replenishing truck stock, you may not need to keep it. In, and and so sometimes there's a story about operational efficiency there. But we also need to remember the world's a little different. This is something. So I'll I'll be honest. This is a great question because my inventory is out of control. That's one of the things I was talking to Tom about this morning. And you know, in a world where we're so busy running our business, taking care of our people, taking care of our customers, um, inventory just becomes a thing that we have to do business. And and unless someone is, you know, actively thinking about it all the time, it can really take on a life of its own um, because. It's there. It's always been there. Well, let's talk about like, what are the reasons for inventory? And then we'll get to what he's talking about with costs. So a couple of reasons why you might need a lot of inventory. One is if you live, if you work for, um, in the middle of like Lufkin, Texas. Sure. Yeah. McWilliams and Son. I'm Mm -hmm. calling you guys out right now. Their, their closest supply house is like two hours away. Okay. But have you had their hot dogs? Well worth the drive. Well worth the drive. I Come have a text story about that where it's like every oh Wednesday our gross margin would tank. This is in Utah. At, yeah, this is down at uh, um, Western Hingan Air in Orm, Utah. I worked there and, and uh, Ryan Snow was trying to figure out why they always had a uh, lower gross margin on Wednesdays. Uh, was there like a and soda we couldn't sale? figure out. And one day he and I were in the truck and he pulls up to the supply house. Just having to pull it up looks the like a showroom. And it was literally called Weenie Wednesday. <laughs> and our techs are there. One of them had driven 45 minutes. They find a reason to sure, show up because sure. it's free hot dogs. I need more coil right? I'm like, you just cost the company, I don't know how many dollars, probably hundreds of dollars to drive. I just stop picture your job, the face of, of someone's got half a weenie in their mouth and the door opens and his boss walks in and it's like. Yeah. And all of a sudden we <laughs> solve the problem. Of why is our margins always lower? And our sales always lower on Wednesday because the suppliers had weenie Wednesday. By the way, I told my supplier, it, this is in Fresno, He's not California. not allowed to do that. They, we actually had them remove, and, and they were really cool about it. They took out all the bar stools yes. out of yep. the supply house. Oh, yeah. So we'll do business with you if you remove the bar stools. We don't want them coming in here and sitting on the bar stools and hanging out. We don't fun, want them in it. Fun fact, that was the uh, that was the week that Tom started his Winnie franchise. <laughs> so if you, uh, we'll put a link in the bottom. Uh, $5,000 gets you in. Uh, I don't want to say too much. So, all right, we got <laughs> inventory. reasons to have inventory. One, if, if, if you're far away from a supply house. Lufkin, Texas. Yes. Lufkin, Texas. Number two, if you've got supply chain issues, which a mm-hmm. lot of people during yes. COVID and pandemic with all yep. the supply chain problems, there might be certain pieces that you need to track and track the living snot out of it. Number three is if you're in a very specialized field where let's say that the part has to be delivered from Germany. Yep. Like, and, and you have a, I don't know, some You're type of, of the SLA. Teslas and air conditioners, yeah. Yeah, if, if you have some special SLA with some a commercial Some of those commercial, yep, that's right, yep. Like, th- then you need it. But outside of that, um, these, you can get really good just-in-time inventory or some consignment programs where what Eddie was talking about was that we have a, for our install system, we have bins that our supplier actually s- 
fills for us and it's paid for by the supplier. The supplier does it all, delivers the bin. It has everything we need for an install on it. It's one bin for every install. So it has a 30 amp disconnect and a 60 amp disconnect on it. It's got every type of fuse on it. So whatever the fuse sizes for the unit, we just take those fuses out. They replenish what we used. We have a both types of thermostats. We have a low-end thermostat, high-end thermostat. Now, this has to be thought through because you have to have a good sales process where you only sell certain things. You so and I were talking this, about that yeah, today. This is what we're talking about. And, and just to add context, because there's probably people going like, yeah, kits, I get it. I do that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, was a light bulb for me with Tom uh, is we we do kits, but because it's you know a retrofit and you got to take a bunch of stuff because you know once you open the walls, you don't know what you're going to find. Um it, it's a lot of vendors won't do returns. And so this is where good vendor relationships and a solid plan of how you're going to handle those returns. Because after a while, you end up with 3 million sort of PVC, you know, three-quarter elbows. Yeah. Because they don't want to take them back, right? Well, so slip on one side, thread it on the other, and, and some again. sort of hybrid in the middle. Yes, yeah, like yes. The, you just have to have that one. Just in case. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> in case this happens. Yeah, so um, – those get replenished, so I don't have to worry about install inventory that much at all. We do not care. And then for our units and other things there, we have a vendor management inventory, so the, we don't pay for that. The vendor has two or three warehouse people inside my warehouse. They actually lease out a space with a fence around it. It's theirs. Um, on the service side, we thought, wow, we can really get rid of all these extra modules and stuff and uh, get it down to like two shelving units. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you've got two shelves of inventory, and it's really, by the way, it's almost all you need. Basically, one truck worth yep. of stock. Mm-hmm. So that way, if they need something that just has to be happen, whatever, one person can manage that very easily. Now, I don't want to pay my... You're paying your supplier to manage inventory, by the way. Your supplier, that's their yep. core competency. Mm-hmm. They handle inventory. They handle pricing. They handle all those fluctuations. Why are they going to order it from the manufacturer, inventory it, track it, stock it, mark it out, then give it to you so you can bring it in. Because we're really good at that. Yes, this is our core competency is tracking garbage. Yes, yes. No, just let them do it. I I think there's there's two things that, that, again, so much of what we battle uh, in our own head and and, and in our businesses is human nature, right? The, the, uh, I, I, when I looked to your, the footprint this morning of your, your setup, uh, I I was struck by um, how sparse it was. Well, you know, we just talked about how emotional, uh, you know, there's this great book by Daniel Ariely, which talks about um, how human nature is irrational, but it's predictably irrational. And and that's the name of the book. And, and what I think of, vendors aren't going to get emotional. They're going to actually, you've done this before. I'm sure you've pulled the usage reports and said, see, you don't, you don't use this. You haven't used it in five years. They're like, yeah, but, you know, they get a case of the yeah, yeah, buts. That, that vendor managed inventory, they're going to believe the data and they're going to go, they're going to stock what they need and that's it. And then the other thing, and this this is something that happens at scale that's, that's really interesting. You know, uh, at some point, yeah, the, the handiest place to, to find that thing that you need is in your warehouse. But, you know, if you're a company of a, a hundred service trucks and they've all got standardized inventory, the nearest thing you're looking for isn't actually in your shop. It, you probably have a hundred and if you have a par par of five on your shelf of the warehouse, will you and one on every truck? Will you have a hundred and four somewhere else if you're out? And it may be five miles down the road. You got a hundred and four warehouses is what you that, have on that, wheels. That's right. And so that's where you know. And God we trust. All others bring data, and and like believe it, and 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 then share the why. And that, that, I think one of the hardest things getting because because I think everybody intellectually gets what we're talking about. It's it's doing it to the 
getting the teams buy in. So you've really, I, I just spent some time this this week talking about the context for things. Because even mm-hmm. sometimes we think we've explained it, but we need to, so so you explain, hey, if I've got ten or $15,000 worth of tools on a truck and another $10,000 worth of, you know, uh, parts that we're taking for a drive, that's money that I can't use for anything else. And I, I, I pay for it $8 at a time, you know, when we take yep. that capacitor off. Now that's fine when you have two trucks. When you have a hundred, that 30 grand means I can't invest that in you. Mm-hmm. And so what I need is you, you want the latest, greatest tool. So I just said this to my team this week. They're like, we'd like to make ProPress standard. And and hard school plumbers are going to like, that's not real plumbing. I get it. I totally get it. I'm on your side. Take a deep breath. Um, and I'm like, okay, so find me three and a half grand on your truck that you're not using. Right? Mm-hmm. Because the other thing that techs know is they're always moving. And by the way, if you're buying the bigger sets of jaws, it's going to be more than three and a half grand because they want those two. I only just need in small case jaws. They need a three and seven eighths diameter pipe with, you know. Uh, pro press fitting, j- just in case. There's so many. Uh, just in case. That's twice you mentioned. Never mind. We're moving on. So, um, like, like, explain it. Like, I don't want you to not have what you you need, and and I'd I'd rather you have what you do. My, like, our job is just to make. We only make money when the people turning a wrench are doing it. And so let's make it as easy as possible for them. But we got to do it with the people and not to them. Sure. And sometimes that takes a little bit longer to explain, but that's why processes and changes stick when they understand the context behind those. You know, you know what the funny thing is, is I bought a bunch of tools the other day and I brought them home mm-hmm. and my wife just Did you take the Fisher me. Price label off for her? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's why you're here. I spent a good amount of money on these. The funny thing is, they're st- imagine this, they still look brand new. And uh, anyway- I, uh, it hasn't been very long, but my wife looks at me. She's like, when are you ever going to use that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, I, I just, I just have to have them though. You know, nope. I saw them. She's like, isn't this what you complain about, about your technicians? I'm like, it's so true. You know, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. These are going. You don't understand these, me. These are for my house. <laughs> my, my, uh, these are for my house. She's, <laughs> these are for you. I do this for you. No, I, uh, uh my wife, uh, says that I am white collar, but I identify as blue. So. <laughs> I was sure, sure. <laughs> I was doing a, a site visit, and uh, I was with one of our field managers. Hey, Alan, I was with the, uh, and uh, I had been issued a new hard hat, and uh, new he, just, he just he just sorry he's he's looking he's looking above above my eyeline of my hat, and I'm like, boy, because do you want to drag that around the parking lot a little first, or <laughs> are you comfortable going in like that? I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been called out in my life. I wouldn't mind, but I had an ex, uh, an extra large high-vis vest because that's what they had. Like it comes in contractor uh, sizes. It starts at 1X, you know? And uh, I looked like I was wearing my dad's suit to an interview. I was like, this is good. This is good. I, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you how many tools I have in my toolbox at my house. I still have the price tags on them. Still have everything. I mean, they're still in the that plastic clamshell packaging. Yep. And it's like, I'm like, well. You know, I, you need a tool to open that. To, yeah. So, it's, so I, have to, I have to give the tech some credit there. But the reality is, you know, Eddie's right. We have to make sure that we're actually stocking with what we use. Now, what he got to about pricing and and all these price changes, and this is critical because I took a real beating because we didn't raise our prices fast enough. Same. A with couple COVID? of things we learned. Yeah. Supply I mean, issues. Yep. Yeah. We, we had a contract with our vendor managed inventory process so they couldn't raise our price for a certain time. And then we were like, they, oh, gosh, this they is made great. Up for- you know, we're not, they made up for it one month. And we're <laughs> yep. like, oh, my gosh. And we went like two or three months before we caught up. Anyway, took a lot of losses because of it. Um, I just want to speak to that. One is if you get your inventory under control and lower, you're, it's going to be much easier to manage. Mm-hmm. Now, what you do manage, you should be 
considering raising prices as it goes and, and watching those closely. Mm. Um, one of the things we did is we found, I mean, we had to do like a 20% price increase on our uh, equipment. Um, and and it really hurt. And it, for our salespeople, our close rate did go down for that yep. first month. Now, it's not because the customers wouldn't pay. It's because salespeople, it's all mental, right? They, they, like, they gulp. It shouldn't be this expensive. Now they're questioning themselves in the field and sure. you don't want that to happen. So one of the things we realized was, look, we know price increases are coming. Yep. So we just sat down as a group and we said, hey, why don't we just like- In- Incrementally. Incrementally, two to 3% just every month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which by the way, that'd be like 35, 40% over the next 12 months because you got compounding, right? If yep. you're doing 3% a month, that's 36, mm-hmm. but then you're compounding on that. And guess what? Nobody cares. Right, right. Nobody, no one even feels it. Because nope. a month goes by, 2%, 3%. Another month sense. goes by, another 2, two Yeah. Butter's going up. But yeah. Yep. Gas nope. is high. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I highly recommend this. I'm like, yep. gosh, like how high can this go? Just let it go. Like, Why not? Takes the emotion it's, out of it. It's amazing how, how much uh, uh, correct pricing fixes performance issues. <laughs> I, I, you know, while we're talking about the material price increase uh, for our construction friends, one of the things that, that – uh, we notice is sometimes when you're dealing with GCs or developers or whatever, uh, you know, you're you're bidding some of this stuff 18 months before, you know, it, it wraps up or, or, or you get to that phase of a project. And so um, I'm getting like PTSD hearing you say the words construction. Eddie does construction. I, I avoid it. I got out of that a long ahead. time yeah. ago. I don't deal I'm in evolved. that game anymore. How dare you? <laughs> get out. <laughs> Good day, sir. Um, <laughs> now, so one of the things that, um, you know, we've been talking about is making sure our contract language has us protected or, or um, you know, if uh, if they want to do a buy down, then, you know, paying for storage and things like that. And you can't always get away with it. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're sort of stuck with those things. But um, when you were talking about raising prices, it's funny how, you know, a lot of estimators will use, well, yep, no, no, don't worry. I just checked today what our, what our labor rate is. It's accurate. But meanwhile, we're going to be paying the guys a year from now. I don't know if any, about your office, if anyone's saying, you know what? I don't want a pricing. Why don't you take some money back, boss? I don't need a raise. You know, we know it's going yeah, to it's going to come. Ever. And so it's um, especially on that construction side when you're forecasting and and you're doing look aheads. We tend to do it with commodities, but we forget things like labor and and stuff like that because you know we're we're trying to win win the job with a a tight bid. And so, but it, but make sure you're protected on that when it comes to material um, price increases. I'm super surprised. If you don't have a credit card that has a 2% cash back, cash back, not airline miles, cash, Uh-oh. go out and get one. There's a couple of places. I don't want to endorse it on here, but like a couple of them. Well, I, I will. I, I know we'll send J- them to your blog yeah, where yeah. you get your affiliate well, link. Uh, Tom's yeah, no, no. yeah, so I, I will say Capital One has one that's 2% cash back that I use. I know Divi has worked mm-hmm. out agreements on that. Yep. There's, I, I don't get I don't get any money or any endorsements. This is just like the largesse of your heart you're sharing. Yeah, this. I'm telling you. It's a game changer. I mean, all of a sudden, I, I just went to my control. I said, just pay with this. And almost all the vendors, we fought with them a little bit. We just all just do it. It's 2%. If I spend a million dollars in parts in a month, which I have, that's 20 grand. See it's just quick, free money. Did you see how quick you did that check. math? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, why he runs a business and I don't. I just uh, <laughs> yeah. organize no, podcasts. It, it, it sounds funny because, you know, the other thing we were talking about earlier is everyone's looking for the magic bullet. And, and quite often, it's not that one big thing. That next uh, uh, ideation or or sort of massive step forward, it's a lot of the the little things. It's 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 why you got to show up every day and grind it out. You know that's what that 
that whole thing is. Yeah, everyone says, I'm going to go in. I'm going to get at least one gold nugget out of this conference. I'm like, if I can get gold dust, I'm happy. Uh, because I, gold dust makes millions, period. You know you know how many people walk away with gold nuggets and do zero with it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's execution. One thing that I was thinking of when you guys were talking about inventory is the idea of a scarcity ma- mindset. Because I think, mm-hmm. I wonder if contractors who were so hit by COVID and the supply chain issues, mm-hmm. maybe stockpiling inventory out of fear. Yeah, a lot of them are. I mean, some of them it's out of fear. Some of it's just because they just know these things. And a lot of the vendors are being honest. Hey, some of them want to hurt the competition. If they have it, the other people don't. And if they've got this, yeah, the, yeah I've, I've, I know people like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just hoping this goes away pretty soon. In those cases, you might have, I have to stock some stuff. You yep. saw some stock that I had just because, and in our case, it was duct work because you know, ductwork slowed down. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. We we did have a couple of tankless water heaters in there for a while on our plumbing side because we had a shortage there. I, I would say for, for us, um, we're, we're mostly through it, except for electrical panels and switchgear and stuff. But but it, it, it's funny because uh, I was just talking to, actually it was an industry event I was at last week and I, I reminisce about the, the great toilet paper wars of 2020. Do you oh, remember God. those? I had toilet paper shipped to me from New York for my mother. Because I couldn't find it. Ah, locally that in famous Los Angeles. New York toilet paper. Yeah, the famous I just, water and toilet paper. How the other I'm, half I'm live. from Fresno. We got all the tortillas you could possibly <laughs> that's, imagine. Uh, just that's, all uh, really well. How the how the other half live? Well, the, they, we, had, well we had to argue about whether it was going to be corn or flour. I'm on this. I'm on this. The 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 reality is. I don't think they have tortillas in Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, you're mispronouncing pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> It's. Uh, <laughs> I it's, can only imagine. <laughs> now I know why you're so. That was, now this I know why it's wars. Exactly. Of battles. If uh, I was using pretzels, I'd be going for wars as well. I've said too much. Um, the 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 issue is nobody was actually going to the bathroom that much more. It was a scarcity mindset, and and um, I I would say contractors definitely uh, fell into that. And this is why cash flow is so important, and, and and inventory management is so important because when the time comes that you need to execute something that takes cash, you need to have it on on hand. Um, and and the the other part is uh, don't sleep on that. If you did set up, um, you know, you went from uh, consignment to a purchase uh, agreement uh, and you are bulk buy. Uh, summer's over for, for most of the country. Take a look in, in, in your warehouse. What do you have? What do you need? What's still there? Um, what's what's still on automatic par uh, levels that, that you raised because of issues? Um, if you know it's over, does the person issuing your POs at your company know it's over? Does the per- like who's watching the ship? And so, and, and did the word uh, go out to all hands that, you know, steady as she goes and we're, we're in camera wash. Apparently I've turned into a sailor. So join me on my next podcast. <laughs> Rough nights at sea and other shanties. <laughs> fantastic. All right. Well, it was not fantastic, but thank you. No, it was, it was fantastic. We've got, we've been going, I just want to let you guys know for about 45 minutes. So, uh, way to go. Yeah. Let, let me know when we're going to start recording. <laughs> <laughs> we've got our next, our next and final question. Here we go. Hey, my name is Aaron Zambrana out of Lincoln, California. I've often wanted a, a big business with big growth, massive growth, but uh, it's always been a little daunting because uh, what I have right now is so overwhelming. I don't, I can't imagine uh, growing to be something bigger. So I'm really looking for the keys and the clues to help me become bigger and achieve my dreams uh, without killing me emotionally <laughs> and rubbing me off to the to the point where I'm all wore out. So, anyways, uh, hope you guys have some good answers for me. I appreciate your help. 
Great yeah. questions. For five easy payments of twenty nine ninety five, <laughs> oh, send a postcard to Tom's Weenie Shack. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what was your what was your fake business name? Sea Shanties by McFarlane. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's sort of like uh, one of those. Um, CDs of the month club. Oh, sure, sure. It's a different sea shanty every month. Now that's what I call shanties. (laughs) Volume 17, (laughs) club hits. Speaking of Tom's weenie shack, (laughs) the way I met Aaron Zamrano, Zamrano, he's he's up there in Northern California. It was actually through Service Titan. We had a, um, we sent out surveys to say rate our company on a scale of one to 10. And uh, he rated us a nine out of 10. And then the next question is always, what could we have done to make your score better? And he said, you could send Tom Howard up here in a loincloth with a palm frond in one hand fanning me and a grapes in the other hand feeding me. I thought I was the only one that had that image. I, I, I know. Well, I'm giving it to you all. Free, <laughs> Too late. Free it's, it's in our heads now. I've got some premium content on this for $9.99 to Tom's Weenie Shack. Yes. All right. Yeah. So anyway, I, I told this to Richard Koberger, who makes our videos, and I, I told him what happened. And uh, he said, Tom you know what we got to do. I said, absolutely. I know what we got to do. So we actually, I, I ordered a, a, I couldn't use a loincloth because if the, if the wind blows in the wrong direction, of course, we're going to yeah. have a big problem. Sure, that's the reason. Yeah. yeah. Reason. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So I put on a, I got a leopard print Speedo. You just had one handy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't well, even Tuesday. I, I actually had three, three to choose from. <laughs> I mean, it just depends on which, yeah. That's right. So, um, and then I got this fake palm frond and some grapes, and he's actually like 20 minutes from my shop in Northern <laughs> California. So I went up there, surprised him. Uh, well, I told his Did you have tearaway they, pants? They scheduled it. Oh, I, I went in there just straight no, up. No, because that would have messed up with the baby oil, you know? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I actually- Was, was there like, in, in costume, It was like go. 100 degrees outside, so the, the, so you were comfy. the pavement was extremely hot. So I, I, I wore the Speedo <laughs> and flip-flops, <laughs> and um, yeah, went into his shop, his-, his Office manager knew the whole thing, said all of it as if I was going to interview him. Anyway, walked in. It was quite funny. I, I'm hoping that this video comes out pretty soon because we filmed the whole thing. Get your credit card ready. $29.99 to Tom's Winnie Shack. <laughs> oh, okay. Lord. So, uh, um, yeah. We, going big. Dreaming of being big. Uh, the, the, with, the yeah, with Aaron. I mean, on a lot of these things, and I, I hear his question. I hear from a lot of places yeah um, especially in today's world we it's too easy to see on like social media and, and highlight else. reel you're looking at other people's highlight reel oh my gosh yeah and, and i mean i i get in a lot of different ways too it's yeah. like some will say you know i'm really some like aaron he's very open about it. he's like look i'm afraid of growing mm-hmm. um others will say oh i don't want to grow and sometimes it's because they're farther on in their career some of them honestly are just afraid and they don't want to admit it mm-hmm. so it comes in a lot of different directions and almost every time what i find is one, they have a lack of uh, understanding of the business and how to get there. Number mm-hmm. two, almost every single time they don't have a business plan yep, and they don't have a budget for yep. that plan. Yep. And because the thing is, is you get terrified. If you don't have a business plan, you don't have a budget, mm-hmm. your budget's going to tell you, look, this is how much revenue I should expect per month and do it in some kind of spreadsheet. Microsoft yep. Excel, Google Sheets is free. There's no yep. reason to not use it. There's a million tutorials out there. It's pretty easy. This is how much revenue I should expect. This is how, what my cost of sales should be. This should be my gross prop percentage. And by the way, if you're doing this, do it with your team. Yep. Make sure that you're going out there. They all understand what these numbers mm-hmm. are and they're putting in the effort so they know mm-hmm. and they've got buy-in now. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, that much revenue? And yeah, it's yeah. their number, not yours. Yeah, it's their number. Uh, 55% gross margin, 60% gross margin, 50% gross margin, whatever your gross margin number yep. is, whatever it is, they're like, yeah, that's what I should get. I, I should be able to do that. And then below that, you got all your fixed costs, your rent and everything else. And then below that, you're showing your profit. Yep. And then you start going, wow, yeah, I guess 
I, I could hit that number. Right. It's very realistic. Now, wait a second. Now, if I have to buy a truck or whatever, mm-hmm. and I have to put in the 50, 60 grand plus the 10, $20,000 yep. in tools, depending if it's HVAC, plumbing, electrical, garage door, water treatment, whatever, it's all different rates. Anyway, if I got to put in that money, this is the return I can expect to get. Or by the way, even if I don't do well this year, I could still afford that extra yep. expense. Yep. Or what if I have to put in an extra amount of marketing? Yep. What could I expect? To, to, to find work for that van. To right? find work for that van. Now I build into the plan and then I can see worst case scenario, I'm still going to do X percent yep. profit. I'm okay. Your stress levels come way down. Then what happens is the next month goes by and you see, oh, wow, I actually outperform budget. Uh-huh. You, start com- you start getting confident. And here's the interesting thing, especially in air conditioning because we're so seasonal. I've mm-hmm. seen this a lot in pest control too. Pest control is very seasonal. Is it? Um, yeah. You'd wow. be surprised. It's. I was. I, I bought one, bought a pest control company thinking I was getting away from seasonality because it's all contract. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> The bugs come out in the summer. You sell a ton of contracts. Wait a minute. Yeah. It's less. <laughs> I've seen this episode before. Yeah. So um, the problem is, is that, you know, some companies will lose money. Let's say mm. in California, making money in like February when it's 71 degrees outside the whole month in an air conditioning company. I mean, your air conditioner could blow up off your roof and you're sure. like, eh, I'll get around to it in May. Like, <laughs> I'm a marketing genius when it's 105 and sticky. Yeah, I know. Yes. It's a, we're, all, we're all business gurus. We're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 110 in Fresno, California. I could sell air conditioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, show me. We all feel like idiots when it's 71 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yep. This is why plumbers generally have it a little better than HVAC. They, they're literally laughing. They're, they're, they're standing by the warehouse door, like watching us run around and laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Crazy kids. <laughs> so um, in this case, like, let's say that you build your budget and you like, realistically, you think, gosh, I'm going to lose $30,000 in the month of February. Mm-hmm. But then you only lose 20. It's a win, baby. You're a win. You're happy. Yep. But if you don't have your budget and you lose 20 grand. Oh my goodness. I'm you're flipping dunce. out. Sure. Every month you're flipping out. You don't. And even when you make money, you think you should have made more money. Yep. You're just going around. You're sweating. You're freaking out all the time. So you can't make to grow. You have to take a little risk. You have to buy certain things. If you don't have a budget, you can't quantify the risk. So you have unlimited risk all the time in your yep, mind. Yep. So w- when I when I hear this, I think of you know fear, and I, I love when people are honest. It's like, man, I I yeah. don't know, I, it's because uh, I'm this, and you know, I've got all my savings in this, and this is this is my retirement plan at the moment. Sure. And these, so it's it's it, I mean it's it's realistic to 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 have some sort of You'd be crazy of, not to yeah, be scared, right? Yeah. And I think about the old maps uh, of the world where like there be dragons. Or, or kids that are afraid of things under the bed. Like, what we don't know can scare us. And so what Tom's talking about is quantifying the unknowns. Okay, well, let's put it down on paper. And that exercise alone will show you that, yeah, that's right. Because we also tend to overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Because we're looking, our, 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 we're comparing our beginning to someone else's middle or end of the race, as my buddy Jerry says. And so sitting down and doing the same process you've done before and calculating it and going, okay, so, and then I like to call playing what if okay well what if i what if i added two vans what would i what would that do to my marketing costs like to to keep them busy but but look what it does to my okay well what if i decided to take less uh bottom line to 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 spend on marketing and 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 to grow to set me up for next year or what if um what if you're just looking at it's like well where am i going to get money to pay for those vans 
So like the, the whole process you're, you're talking about, it, I mean, it sounds sensible when we, we, but it's amazing how we psych ourselves out, but it's very realistic because we're, we're afraid of things that we don't know. That's right. And we, yeah. you know, and that's, the, the, and we always assume the worst, always assume the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's, um, there's, there, I, back when I was uh, a different person and, and healthy, uh, I, uh, young, or younger, <laughs> no, young. Um, I, I, I used stick to... with young. I think, I think we're at that point. <laughs> Hold on, the crowd has spoken. Um, the, the, uh, I, I used to do these triathlons, just, just local ones, nothing crazy. Um, nothing crazy, just running, biking, and swimming all on the same well, day. You nothing know, crazy. Uh, inside pro tip for those with ADD, it's a great sport because anytime you've been doing anything for like half an hour, it's time to change. It's perfect. <laughs> um, but you know, you would go in this, uh, you would train for these. You would, you would go in the pool, you would go, uh, you would do all this thing and, and you'd have a training plan put together and, and you would, you would towards race time you'd put it all together and hopefully the weekend before you would you would actually get to do all of it like it was race day and there's a funny thing that happens uh, you know you 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 either start on 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 the, the lake shore or the, the side or it can be an in water start but you're standing there and you all go in together they blow a whistle and and it's timed by your 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 age group or you know in in my case the the special group and um but you're all going together, and what happens is you're special all one. It's special one. Uh, capital S. We're, we're, uh, <laughs> you're all heading for the same choke point in the water, and what happens is even though you've trained to run your race, you see everybody else taking off, and the temptation. What happens, especially the first time you do it? First off, you're getting clobbered by like there's there's eighty people swimming in one lane. And I don't know if you know this, but they don't put, you know, those like black lines at the bottom of pools. They oh, they do don't not, exist in lakes? They do not put them on there. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, um, I got very off course one time. But the, <laughs> sorry, I like this story. No, the, um, the, uh, the, the issue is that you're seeing people, even though you're, you're swimming at the pace that you know was good. It's in t- this is, this is, this is what you've trained for. Temptation to compete. You were like, oh my gosh, they're doing so much better than me. I need to kick it up. And so you kick it up a gear, but guess what? That's not the cadence you trained at. So now you're halfway around so a lake yourself. and you're like, I'm going to die in front of all these people. Oh, I'm so glad my kids brought a sign. Right. <laughs> like, and, and, and you have to get out of the water and you're completely gassed and it's like, oh, but you get psyched out by other people's races. And I think when, uh, you run your race, you, you, you know, you, uh, follow your plan. And, and if you don't do what you were suggesting, Tom, and putting that plan together, you're going to run other people's. And that's, that's, that's no bueno, right? Because how do you know what, what margin they're, they're going at? You go to a conference or you listen to God forbid a podcast <laughs> and they're like, this is what you should be doing. And they're like, okay, they, they, they're not getting that. And so now they're like thinking I'm yeah. doing it wrong. And, you know, most people either listen to a podcast or go to a conference or listen to a webinar. They're sure. looking for a silver bullet. And yeah, Eddie and I have always exist. talked about there's no there's no such thing as a silver bullet. And I think what the budget and the plan does is it puts all the things together, all the bullets, so to speak, together that you're going to have to fire to get to where you need mm-hmm. to be. When people go to these conferences, typically they find whatever they're looking for. If you're looking for a silver bullet, you'll find something you think is a silver bullet. And it's bullet. amazing because there's a guy there selling a course no. Yeah. And it's always like, oh, this one indoor air cleaner, this is going to be the solution to That's all it. my problems. That's it. Yeah. And they're going to come home and they're going to put all their effort into it. They're going to buy a lot of them, put them and, on, on the trucks. Th- yeah. Let's say they're going to put a lot on their trucks and they're going to- End up in inventory. Uh, yeah. Have a ton of inventory. <laughs> or they're going to they're gonna do all their tech training, but they're not going to buy enough of them. Or they're going to do that, but they're not going to train their CSRs to prep the customer yep. to get the tech yep. on mm-hmm. there to sell them. So all those things 
have to be built into a business plan and into a model that says, yeah. this is how we're going to sell them. This is yeah. how we're going to stock them. This is going to have them. Or you get everything trained, but then you can't get them enough in stock to sell them. Yep. Like, or, or you didn't build it in your sales process. I mean, there's just so many things to go wrong. So going and building that budget and that plan allows you to take those bullets, organize them, make sure that you can look at the whole thing holistically and say, does this make sense? Yep. What you're going to find is almost none of those new products are going to solve all your well, problems. Well, and you also tend to avoid distractions like that because you've got a plan. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and you're not distracted by the bright, new, easy, shiny. Yeah, and you know, like, hey, by the way, I only lost 20 grand this month. I was supposed to lose 30. I'm 10 grand ahead of plan for the year. I'm buying everybody a steak. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to keep on Hot trucking. dogs for everyone. Well, it, yes. it, it, it's- We like, don't even need to subscribe to Weenie Wednesday. That's right. Honey, put, put, put the Weenie- Oh, no, I don't like the way I said that. Well, <laughs> we're going for steak is the long one. But, but I think- switch to steak. If you don't know where you're going, every road will get you there, right? Yeah. And so- I, and and the one thing I, I do want to stress is even if it's as simple as as the process you laid out, which it doesn't have fifty two line items, it just has those major. That's still better than nothing. Yep. You know. And so start where you are, and uh, but make it your plan, and make it one that you're comfortable with the risk, because you know it. it but make sure your whole team yep. knows about it. Yep. Mm. And every month follow up with that consistency. E- even if even if your whole team just consists of your partner. Yeah. Right. Like. They deserve to know, and and uh, whether you're a, a, a one man, uh, you know, master of all, or you you know you're running uh, a you know multi state, you know plan. You so know. it sounds like using the business plan budgeting to look under the bed, so to speak, look at look at mm-hmm. what's scaring you, and then once you get comfortable, get a little bit more confident. Oh, I'm supposed to lose thirty. I only lost twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. Now we can start thinking about okay, what are some things I've heard from podcasts, from webinars? Yeah. How can I start implementing those mm-hmm. and bringing my whole team on board to make them happen? Use those those gurus, those seminars, mm-hmm. whatever they are, to supplement your plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't go there with no plan. And hear one thing and try to, oh, this yep. is going to save my business. And then and then it doesn't. And then you get freaked out on the next thing because yep, now sure. you don't trust anything. Yep. Yeah. But run your race, baby. Yeah. Run your race, baby. All right. So to close out today's episode, uh, the very first episode of Toolbox After Dark, which Toolbox was, After Dark. Yeah, I, I really like the name. I think I'm going to keep it even though it's really Toolbox in the afternoon. But uh, what are you guys learning right now? What are What's getting you guys excited about the trades, about the industry? Tom, why don't you go first? Gosh, that was not the question I was expecting. What was the question you were expecting? I could take it. <laughs> you can just answer reading that. Right now what are you what reading I thought right now? Do, do what I do when I'm at a conference and people ask me a hard question. You know, that's a really, really good question, but aren't you really asking this? Or <laughs> before I answer that, let's let's talk about... Yeah. So, I mean, as far as like, what I'm, what am I learning in the trades right now? Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, is that I've, I've kind of looked at the pieces that I'm deficient in and pieces, but mine aren't necessarily trades things specific, um, but I'm deficient in certain pieces of the business. And so I try to focus on those things. So I, I actually bought a couple of books on uh, financing, lending, and private equity. Mm-hmm. I read those. I read, um, and then now, right now, I'm focusing on, I've got a couple of books I've been reading on marketing. Oh, nice. Um, there's one called Story Brand. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that's Don- a good Don- one. Uh, Donald Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at least I think it's Tom. I can't remember that. Uh, yeah, I'll sure take your word for it. Someone will um, correct us. It's the internet. Unmarketing is really cool. I I've just finished reading that one as well. I take those subjects one at a time and try to focus a couple books on there. Mm-hmm. Got it. It is by Donald Miller. Awesome. You were right, Eddie. <laughs> you should see me at pub trivia. <laughs> I called it a pub. Unless it's a, a music, uh, sports, history, or science. Other than that, I'm, I'm no good. What about you, Eddie? What What are you learning about? 
Yeah, very, very similar. I'm I, I'm learning about fundamentals. In many ways, it's a, it's a, an inflection point for me in my incredible circuitous journey in the trades. I'm the luckiest guy in home services. I, I get, I'm going to start learning um, new vocabulary words after listening Eddie. to this guy talk. I know, right? Circuitous. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it's a roundabout way of saying, uh, uh, <laughs> see what I did there, folks? Yes. Thanks. No. Tip your waitress. <laughs> um, so for, no, I don't. <laughs> go ahead. For me, uh, it's as, as wide ranging and as deep as my career has been in, in different areas. It's amazing how much it comes back to fundamentals and sort of what I call first order principles, like things that fads come and go, trends come and go, markets come and go, but there's some things that just never change. Specifically, uh, focus. I'm thinking about, you know, in a world where you've got infinite access to, we just spent an hour talking about different ideas. What should you focus on? And what does focus actually look like? And how do you measure it? And so what is focus versus sort of that, you know, when you're trying to boil the ocean, right? It's too hard and you end up getting nothing done. You don't move the needle. Got any book study? Any authors Uh, on focus? Uh, focus I'm by Edward McFarlane. On the answer, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and she was. What I'm excited about the trades, uh, and that's. But I'm learning it. It's, it's all coming back to the book's called Focus by Andrew McFarlane. No, that was <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, was got a joke. it. Yeah, you know it's funny because we had to explain it. No, um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a joke. He who laughs last. I, <laughs> I'm really uh, excited about that. Regardless of how much the circumstances change. Now, listen. There's so many external things we we can't control, but there's when it comes back to those that are really successful, they, fo- they focus on the things that matter. Yeah, and the things that they can control, and then they they execute, they hold team and they hold their team accountable. And so it, it's about those uh, fundamentals, and and uh, focus is a big one for me. I if you know that. me, that makes a lot of sense. Making lots of sense. <laughs> <laughs> what books are you reading, Tom? Oh, I just, I just listed off a couple, but um, a second ago, but. The one that I just finished that isn't necessarily a uh, training book or anything, it's on, uh, it's called Red Notice. It's about a guy who went into Russia after um, the Soviet Union fell and found all these businesses that are worth almost nothing at the time. No one's paying anything for them, but he realized their earnings are fantastic. And he bought them all for pennies on the dollar, became the biggest private equity, biggest investment banker in all of Russia, ends up getting kicked out and uh, arrested and all this other stuff. But great book, won't let you know how it ends, but... Yeah, awesome. And I think, you know, there's a lot of businesses out there that are undervalued in our our industry for a long time. Yeah. Was greatly undervalued. And right now, multiples are going up and up and up. But Still. because yeah, because companies finally realized what our industry is worth. And I just think it's really cool. Yep. It's a really cool story. I'm usually reading slash listening to a bunch. One that I really enjoyed was Emotional Agility by by Susan David. You know, we all work with people, whether it's customers, team building, and the more you understand people, the better it'll be. And the secret is you're a people too. And the more you understand yourself, it's 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 really good. I just wrapped up. You looked uh, at Tom right when you said that. The more well, you listen, know yourself. Well, listen, if you're reading that into that, that's 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 on you. And then <laughs> another another good one that I, I I'll, I'll throw out there was uh, Bias Interrupted by Joan C. Williams. Ooh. It's for the you know HR is called people team these days. It's for, it's for that stuff. But it's again, it's really important to understand your own operating system. Because that's going to be one of your biggest limit and in, in gating factors, and so to to the extent that you can understand your your own operating system and and the hacks in it and the blind spots, the higher your performance will be. So that's fantastic. I love yeah. it, guys. Thanks so much for doing the first episode of Toolbox After Hours. Toolbox, Toolbox at after night. dark. Toolbox in the afternoon. Toolbox in a small room. I'm excited to do this again. 
Hey, Toolbox listener, I would love feedback on today's episode. This was a new format that we're experimenting with, and we need your feedback to determine if this is something we're going to do again. So please click the survey link in the show notes of today's podcast and let us know what you think. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you would like to see moving forward. Your feedback is so important to me, so I would love, love, love to get it. Thanks so much for listening. Are you looking to build a top-tier service company? Service Titan's Contractor Playbook is a handy guide to help you get where you want to go. Authored by the industry's greatest minds, this free all-in-one playbook will help you set your company up for success. Learn how to provide excellent customer service, establish your company's culture, market to new and existing customers, and more. Just go to servicetitan.com slash getplaybook to access the free digital guide. That's servicetitan.com slash getplaybook. Hey, Toolbox listener. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Because today's episode was a bit of an experiment, we'd love to get your feedback. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, and what we can improve for next time. I look forward to hearing from you.